Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we have Take Kim back for the last episode on the series of intergenerational living from a young person's perspective. If you are living in a multi-generational household or considering it, you must listen to this series. Last week, we discussed the pros and cons of multi-generational living, as well as some just some things that we talked about. You'll have to go listen to it. Today, we are talking about tips for living in a multi-generational household. Are you living in a multi-generational household or considering having your parents move in? Do you take care of aging parents as well as your own children? Do you know someone who is having challenges with caring for their parents? If any of these situations are yours, then this series is for you. My guest today is a blogger. He writes about navigating the intersection between personal finance and being in the sandwich generation. Tay and his wife cohabitate with his aging parents while raising their own children and building their careers. But before we start, I wanted to tell you that this episode is brought to you by the Medicare Quick Step-by-Step Guide for Signing Up for Medicare. If you're signing up for Medicare, you already know how confusing it can be. This step-by-step guide is absolutely free and will help you easily make the transition into Medicare. Get it free at medicarequick.com slash checklist. Okay, let's go ahead and bring on Tay Kim. Tay, I have a friend whose father-in-law moved in with her unexpectedly last year. Now, she's struggling because he was only supposed to be visiting, but he's been there now for a whole year. Her father-in-law is older. He would be your grandparents' age. He's in Mm -hmm. the greatest generation. and Unfortunately, he expects women to do all the cooking and cleaning. (laughs) My friend does not like cleaning up after him, and she feels like she's lost her freedom. Did your wife go through any of this when your parents moved in, or do you have any tips for my friend? Of course, yours was more planned than my Mm -hmm, friend's. Her mm -hmm. was kind of, you know, all of a sudden he was living there. (laughs) Right, right. It just, it came for a visit and then it became a year. Exactly. uh, (laughs) And and Um, he's probably not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely. uh, That's a challenging situation. Yeah, ours was a little more intentional, reluctant, but intentional. Uh, So my family's Korean. So for us, there's a little more generational and cultural component to it in the Asian culture. For us, thankfully, my dad, he definitely doesn't go into the kitchen often, but because (laughs) my mom is there, I think she recognizes, you know, they've been together for 40 years now, so she recognizes what he needs. Small things like uh, I get a cup of water, he just leaves it on the dining room table. Yes, that is the problem that my friend is having. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if it did bother my wife. I think I would have to be the one to clean up. Happy possible. wife, happy life. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so, very, very appreciative of what she's doing. So, so maybe far. my friend should talk to her husband and say, look, <laughs> he's your dad. If he doesn't clean right. up, that's your job. 
Right, right, right. I could understand a little bit better just because I grew up with my parents. I mean, it's tougher on the on the spouse. You can't be as direct. Daughter-in-law, it's hard for her to talk to her father-in-law. And, hey, you need to you need to clean this up. You can't just you know leave a mess for us. Whereas his son, <laughs> I think, can be a little more. Hey, it's a different generation now. Times are a little bit different. All of us have to contribute. It might be the her husband needed to step in a little more <laughs> just to avoid any kind of. And for me, it's more of like in order to avoid issues down the line, I would rather do the work up front. You know what? That's that's interesting because this article that we are looking at, which is called Tips for Generational Living mm-hmm. by Amy Goyer, mm-hmm. she didn't really mention that, that the actual son or daughter of the person moving. It's kind of like having a stepchild. If you're the step parent, you really can't discipline the child the same way as if you're the biological mm-hmm. parent. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you've done that with your wife. You've you've kind of stepped in between your wife and yeah. your parents. Yes, definitely. That's for me probably one of the most uh, like stressful tense moments when she has an issue with certain things that like my mom does or my dad does. And then she can voice it out like she can do to her mom. So when I come home, I, I it's more of, I could like subtly feel it based on her look. She would give me that look and I'm like, uh-oh, uh, like what transpired in the last two hours that I'm not aware of. And then of course we have to go into our bedroom and she would kind of unload on me. Definitely from my perspective, as we're living together, being empathetic to my wife, you know, doubly challenging for her She's not living with her parents. She's living with my parents. So I think for me, it's very important to recognize that and appreciate that. Being able to listen to her without, you know, without being judgmental, but just kind of hear her out. Because at the same time, I could feel like, oh, well, you know, that's how my mom does it. Or that's my, how dad does it. Just, you know, don't let it bother you. But, you know, that's kind of dismissing how she's feeling. So then I think just being able to hear her out. For me, I like to think in a very problem solving way. So I'm kind of like, okay, how can we mitigate this in the future? So I think one of the things that the article talked about was like planning ahead space boundaries. So this is very small, but like we've had to think about one of the tension points was we all share this community fridge. Everyone shops at their own timeline. And then everybody would just kind of stuff their own things in in different sections of the refrigerator. When my wife would want to go come cook and she's like, goodness, like, where's the carrot that I just bought, like, last week, like, I placed it here. This is one of those items where, you know, it keeps coming up. So we had to come up with, like, we actually, we actually labeled parts of the refrigerator saying, okay, <laughs> this is Monica's section, like, this is grandma's section, like, we don't go into each other's section, everyone's got their own sections. So buying know. a second fridge was not an option. Well, so we do have a second fridge, but because it's in the laundry room, it's not so convenient. Yeah. So the daily stuff that you're going to eat, we had to come up with a system of separating parts of the refrigerator and then just uh, reinforcing on a regular basis. When your kids yeah, get I mean, older, you're going to have a big problem. <laughs> True. <laughs> I think more, they, they want their own section in the fridge, probably. It'll be the laundry room for the kids. It's like, okay, yeah, kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. laundry room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it's like 20 feet away, but hey, you know, <laughs> someone's got to make the sacrifices and you're the youngest and the healthiest. So. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that that actually is good. And then didn't you also do something about the space as far as where the children are allowed to barge in or not as far Mm -hmm. as bedrooms are concerned? So I think just having a norm that everyone has their own, um, like my parents have their own bedrooms, and then we have our bedroom. So then the kids actually are a little more, they kind of barge into wherever they want to, because, you know, they're three and six. We are 
more considerate of like knowing, hey, grandma's in their room. We got to make sure we knock before we can ask for anything. Thankfully, my parents also do the same. And then we are trying to condition our kids now. You, when grandpa's in his room, you can't just run in there, do whatever you want. You got to, you know, like that's his room. So I think just recognizing that everyone has their own personal space in the house. And one of the things that helped out was having separate communal space within the house. So uh, thankfully in our house, we have parts of the house. It's like a family room for the four of us, my wife, uh, myself, and our kids. And then my parents have their own little community area where they can have their television, their couch, lay out the things that they want. And we're not getting into each other's space as regards to like who left the newspaper here or who left their shoes here, but they can kind of we can create our own mess. They can create their own mess and we're not getting into, getting into each other's space. So I think that was, that was very important. So you like have a family room in a parlor. Is that how it's set up or? It's like a a closed off patio, like a sunroom. Nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now a lot of my listeners, their, their sandwich generation is different than yours because Mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're taking care of their kids in college financially. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. they're taking physical care of their parents, right? Be your grandparents' age, yeah, yeah. And so things are a little bit different for them because they're they're not probably taking care of small children, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. although they could be because people in college <laughs> can have children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be like four generations, you know. <laughs> That's right, and it does yeah, happen. Yeah, it's yeah, happening yeah. more and more. I had a woman in my church. Uh, before I left San Diego, she was 108 when she passed. Wow. Yeah, people are living longer and longer. And I'm sure you know <laughs> that a lot of Asian people live a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know if, you know, I don't know if yeah. that is a what you're eating or just yeah. the mere fact that you're Asian because a lot of Asian people smoke, you know, <laughs> when you go to Asia. <laughs> I don't know about here. Probably yeah. not so much in LA. There's not yeah. a places where not a lot of places where you can smoke in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so I don't know if it's just good genes. I mean, <laughs> how long did your are your grandparents still living? Uh, so both my grandparents passed away, but my grandmother lived. She passed when she was ninety. Same with my wife's uh, grandmother. She passed away when she was ninety-two. Um, so I guess yeah. I mean, like it's uh, for my my dad. He's seventy. Uh, 71 and my mother 69 so i mean that's uh, uh 20 more years plus more i mean given that like our grandparents grew up in a, a tougher time so then if they could live to 90 then i mean my parents could live to till their 100 that's right absolutely <laughs> so be, yeah you have been talking about the the money the <laughs> whole time that we've been having these conversations but do you put money into a big pot or is it just okay you pay yours we'll pay ours and we're taking care of the house how, how does that work yeah that was something that was cleared up up front that uh when we decided to cohabitate we would take over the mortgage a uh, majority of the utility expense my parents thankfully said they could take care of the electric bill and the phone bill so that we just kind of cleared up saying okay like we take care of the gas bill, the water bill, the mortgage, and then you guys take care, take care of the phone bill and the electric bill. So I think that made it clear. Like, we don't have a joint bank account. We just pay our own bills. What about um, food? Yeah, food is a little interesting. We don't have, like, a clear agreement. My wife and I, we would go and do our own shopping at Costco for what we want. Like, if we're going to pack lunch for work or we're going to pack something for the kids. 
And then my parents, they purchase what they want to. And then I think just a natural overlap of like, hey, we're out of bananas. We'll eat theirs. Yeah, yeah, we'll have. There's, there's no like separate like this is my bananas, this is your bananas. Mine. You, know? you can't have my bananas. Those are mine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. We have our separate sections in the fridge. Maybe if it's banana in that section, then you know. You better not uh, eat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but whatever's out in the more in the community area, um, uh, it's kind of open for everybody. So yeah, with grocery, there hasn't been much uh, like clear boundaries we had to create. I think um, we don't, and one of the things that we do in our family, there is no kind of uh, um, expectation that we have to eat together all the time. My wife and I, we would have our own dinner and then my parents are totally fine having their own dinner at their own separate time. And I think this makes things a little more, it's better. It just kind of works for everybody instead of people being dependent upon each other's timing or dependent upon someone buying the food. So that's, that's worked out well for us. That's good. So you've mentioned before that your parents help you with childcare. Yes. And so are they, what are they doing with a three-year-old? Because that mm-hmm. child is not old enough to go to school yet. She goes to preschool, actually. So mm-hmm. when both my son and my daughter was born for the first year, uh, my mom actually oversaw. So we, we paid her uh, to recognize the time that she's putting in. And then she subcontracted one of our friends to come and watch, <laughs> jointly watch the baby. So then uh, both my son and my daughter were cared for by my mom and her subcontract friend for the first 12 to 18 months. And at the 18 months, there was a local daycare um, that's really close to our house that we both we sent them to. So they're both right now, my three-year-old, she's in the preschool daycare, and then my son's going to the kindergarten at the same school. And then your mom, she didn't care that you were taking away her job she was happy that now she had her days back oh yeah yeah she was i think she was counting it down it was uh <laughs> what's funny is that there's actually a funny story so you know th- this t- typical question of like oh you guys have you know one kid are you guys thinking about having a second and then we're like okay we had a second of course like second are you, are you guys thinking about having a third and i think my mom she visited us at the hospital when my daughter was born and of course, my wife just delivered, so she's in the room. And I went downstairs to grab my mom. And on the elevator right up, she's like, "All right, you guys are done. Like That's I'm telling you, you guys are done. Like if you're going for number three, calling your mother-in-law, she's like, I'm done." <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> taking care of the third child, so yeah, forget yeah. that. <laughs> she was very clear with that, so it's like, okay, okay, this is we've pushed it as far as we can. <laughs> so talk about setting. Setting expectations, that's what she was doing with you. She was setting your expectation. Exactly. She was very clear with us. She's like, if you guys are going to have thirds, don't call me. (laughs) So would you have had a third child if she wouldn't have said that? (laughs) Uh, Probably not. (laughs) I think think, uh, we've, we've definitely struggled with our careers, trying to raise two kids. Before we had kids, we were like, oh, you know, like three, four, who knows? The possibility is endless. And then like once we had our second, we were like, we're done. <laughs> it can be, you know, it can be expensive in a in a coastal town, a city like where you live. Yeah. I mean, the preschools, the daycares, they're, they're definitely not cheap. Yes. And so talking in that area about where you live and space and things like that, you've also done a, a really good job of setting the boundaries in your mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And you also talked about the fact that your parents are paying the phone bill. Does that mean that you yes. have a landline? No, it's the cell phone bill. Um, we're on a family plan? We're on a family plan. Yeah, oh. my wife, my dad, and my mom, they have phones. I have a work phone, so. Okay, that makes sense. 
Have you ever had to pick the whole, the four of you together and say, look, we've got to talk. We have an issue. Um, not the four of us. Usually it's been this, uh, with my mother and uh, my wife and I. Um, that's happened a couple of times. Interestingly, I think it's always centered around the kitchen. Right. That was always the, so I, th- I think alluding to your point earlier regarding like we have good boundaries regarding our, our bedroom, our community space, but we only have one kitchen in the house. And I think that's always been the, like the battle zone. We've had to have when a person comes to cook in the kitchen, like we don't have a good process or system for where the pots and pans go. This scissor, does it like, it's my scissor. So like, can we have it in a drawer that only I use? Don't cut paper with my vegetable scissors. Exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And if I place it in this drawer, please don't take it out. You know. Yeah, my dad actually hasn't been uh, too involved. He's kind of like, all right, keep I'll me go out with of the it. Flow. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> go with the flow. For some reason, I put, I drink a cup of water, I leave it on the table, and it's gone. So if something's happening. It's working. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Are you in a house or a condo? A house. And is your house big enough to install? a granny flat or its own separate kitchen on the other side of the house? Would, would that, have you ever thought about that or is that just. We thought about it. Yeah. We thought about it. I mean, I think the biggest, if we could, I think we would do it. I think the biggest impediment is the cost because, you know, we're talking in tens of thousands. So then definitely my wife and I have talked about, would we take this 20,000 to build a separate, a separate area in the back or a kitchen or could we survive in the kitchen is it worth twenty thousand dollars? I think that's the big question. Is like, and is it is the pain worth twenty thousand dollars? I guess and like, that we remains... haven't hit that point yet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. far, the answer is no, but who knows in the future? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely, if several years down the line, once we're in a better financial position, once we feel like we've made uh, good headways in our in our savings and investments, I think then we would you know try to make things a little more comfortable. We've looked at uh, house. Oh, look at this uh, separate. You know, this house has two kitchens. Like you can have one in the back. This house has like two fridges. We've we've researched it. Yeah, I think the biggest impediment is just the cost at this point. Right. Yes. But you are in a high cost area. It seems like mm-hmm. you would be able to, if you wanted to, get a loan for that kind of thing. You know, to put in a kitchen. Of course, then you'd right. be living and you'd be tortured for the six months or however long it takes to put the kitchen in. So who knows? Right. The family yeah. might not survive that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something that we definitely need to consider. It's it's definitely not out of the question. Hmm. So the last thing that Amy Goyer talks about is going with the flow. It sounds like your father is doing that, but perhaps your your wife and your mother are the ones that feel conflicted. When I was looking at this, going with the flow, it's definitely something that happens. I think conflicts are going to happen on a weekly basis, just because when you have four adults living in a house that are family, it's natural. For us, my wife and I, just recognizing where my parents are coming from, I think that helps us to kind of get in a, a right mindset of, uh, you know, approach things with a mindset of appreciation instead of trying to say, okay, like this is not working for us. But at the same time, like recognizing that, hey, there's a cost to everything. And then for us, we've made conscious decision to cohabitate because there is a mutual benefit from both financial at the same time from a family perspective, right. you know, having, it's, it's comforting. I mean, like emotionally comforting to have my parents there and for them to have us there. So I think it's just recognizing that we've made a conscious decision to be here. We can't get everything that we want, but at the end, 
the benefit outweighs the cost. And there's just you know, things that we have to work through. Coming back to the right mindset, try to look at everything from a very empathetic perspective. Now, I have another question for you, and you can mm-hmm. choose not to answer it if you don't want to, because it might be a little yeah. uncomfortable. On my show, we talk about sex. So my question is, you have four adults, four married (laughs) adults living together. And Uh like it or not, your parents are at the age where they are probably still being intimate. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming you and your wife are being intimate. How do you set those boundaries where, okay, don't knock on the door? (laughs) Or are you going out of yeah. town and staying in a hotel? I mean, what? We've, we've, we've do that. So I think, uh, yeah, for intimacy, recognize the fact that my wife and I, we need our alone time. So, I mean, not often, but I, if I say an average, maybe every couple months, we would do our own, just a quick weekend trip, like a, like a two-day trip somewhere. At home, uh, like, yeah, I don't know with my parents. I, I guess I uh, I try to black out. You don't think about that because you're... I don't think about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. And then for my wife and I, yes, we have to make sure the door is locked and check it multiple times. <laughs> and and the parents have locks on their doors too? They do. Yes. Yes. They so... have locks on their doors. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of have a, I think, like an unspoken, you know, time throughout the day and middle of the day. Uh, it might be okay to knock on the door, but after like 9 p.m. Don't knock. Uh, yeah, don't knock, don't <laughs> interrupt. Uh, things can wait until tomorrow morning unless it's an emergency. So Unless uh, the house is on fire, don't exactly. knock on the door. Exactly, until, until something, you know, something, is, something requires immediate attention. But yeah, I mean, we've been pretty good about after 9 o'clock not interrupting each other. That's good. And the kids are in bed at that time? Yep. So they're, yep. not, they're not bothering anybody either? Yeah, I mean, we try not to, but, you know, it's hard, it's hard to control a three-year-old. She'll, you know, <laughs> randomly walk around the house. So we have to be careful that. I think we're actually more concerned with our kids barging into our room than... Than your parents. Like our parents. Yeah, I don't think... I can't, I can't even remember once if they ever knocked on the door after nine o'clock. But well, what about you knocking on their door? I probably crossed that boundary more. <laughs> you, know, we, we looked, you didn't yeah. even think about it until... I know, yeah, I didn't did think you? about it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hmm, I need to be a little more... Consider it. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard when you look at the older generation, you don't think of them as those kind of beings. Right. No, no, no. And that was, that's, that was the, you know, alluding to earlier, like, I think in my teens and twenties, and we're just so self-absorbed that like, you know, my parents, you know, uh, I'm the center of the universe and my parents helped me to be the center of the universe. And then you know, as we get older, we realize, oh, you know, we're not. And then, <laughs> you know, and then as we, uh, in my 30s, as I'm, you know, now living with my parents, I'm like, wow, you know, they actually have more interesting lives than we do. Uh, <laughs> Something so. to aspire to. Well, this has been fun. Thanks for coming on again and, oh, and going, and, yeah, going through some tips and from the younger sandwich generation point of view. If any of my listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Sure. So I write at financialtortoise.com. Uh, I talk about, I write about pretty much what we just t- discussed, being a sandwich generation and uh, personal finance, just about how to manage our money better and then how to, uh, how to cohabitate with our parents better. So yeah, you can find me at financialtortoise.com. Great. Maybe your next article can be about sex and the sandwich generation. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I'll need to I'll need to sit down for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've found any articles about that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There probably aren't any. That'll be a, a good article for yeah. anybody yeah. who's searching yeah. that that topic. Thanks again. And for the listener, I hope you had as much fun as we did. And we'll see you next time on the Rock Your Retirement Show. Bye. Hey, this is just a shout out to Glenna Davis. And she has been a big supporter of mine on Patreon. And Glenna, if you're listening, I just wanted to thank you. Oh, wait. I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. You can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August... Actually, August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com And we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app, and then you search for the show. And when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show, and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, Actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, 
the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.